We shall now turn to 1 John chapter 3, and our text for tonight is verses 1 to 3. John chapter 3 at the beginning. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. John begins this section in his epistle with the word, Behold. Stop, think, consider, see this amazing truth. John is saying something wonderful. Behold, what manner of love, what kind of love, what great love, infinitely great love, the Father hath bestowed upon us, upon you and me, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew not him. The world doesn't know us. God knows us. And God calls us his sons. That's an amazing truth. Behold, notice, consider, understand this amazing love that the Father has for us to call us his sons and his daughters. What need we have to praise, to worship, to glorify him for this. And also, notice the great future that's ahead of us. Beloved, now are we the sons of God already. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We're not all that sure of what we shall be. But one thing we do know. When he shall appear, we shall be like him. One day, you and I will be like Jesus. That again is something amazing, isn't it? For a sinner like you and me. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And this, of course, has implications, practical implications for us. If we've got this great future in front of us, if we are indeed the children of God and destined to spend our eternity with him in heaven as his sons and his daughters, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is, as God is pure. So then, first of all tonight, we have here the Father's amazing love. Notice that it's a love to us. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. You and me, created in God's image, placed in a paradise, but we rebelled. We were told what we shouldn't do, and we went and we did it. We ate the forbidden fruit. So we're rebels, and we're born sinners, and every day we sin, and we sin in thought, word, and deed. And sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. Sin is breaking God's law. So as far as God is concerned, sin is criminal behavior. It's a crime. A crime against the great king, the great lord of all, the great judge. So we're criminals. In a sense, 
We're horrible people. Yes, we are. Filthy people. Stinking in the filthiness of our sin. Now, if somebody is very dirty and smelly, we don't feel attracted to them, do we? We feel repulsed. We, we want to keep a, a, at a distance from them. Well, just think of how smelly, how stinky, how filthy we are before God. God so holy, we so vile. God so pure, we the very opposite. Worms in the gutter, covered with sewage, and yet... God takes us and makes us his sons and his daughters. What amazing love, our love to us. And notice, it's God's love. It's not the love of one of you or me. Our love is so limited. Our love is so small. Even when it's somebody that we really love, yet our love is, is so small, isn't it? But God is so great. And his love is like himself. Infinite, eternal, unchangeable. God's love is wise. It's powerful. It's just. It's good. God's love is infinite. Cannot be measured. So, so vast. And that vast love is bestowed upon you who believe in him, who trust in him. And God's love is eternal. And that's amazing. It's not only that it's never ending, but it never had a beginning. God always, from all eternity, he loved you. Is there anything so wonderful as election. How amazing it is. Here we are in Inverness. Lots of people around us. Couldn't care less about God tonight. But you, you care about him. Why? Because you have chosen him. No, it's not you that have chosen him. But he chose you and ordained you that you should bring forth fruit. From all eternity he loved you. Just think of how privileged you are that God loves you and always did love you and always will love you and God's love is unchangeable doesn't rise and fall you and I in our relationships even as husbands and wives as parents and children our love rises and falls and sometimes we're full of love and other times there's things disturbing our love and the things that we do can offend one another and trouble our relationships. But it's not like that with God. God's love is unchangeable. He always loves with a great love, the infinite love that he has towards us. And God's love is so powerful and so wise and so good and so just. God's love. The love of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the head of heaven and earth. And God's love doesn't just save us. It would be amazing if it did even just that. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? To have your sins forgiven. And you look back in your life and you can think of different things you've done. And all these sins forgiven. Terrible sins. Lying. Deceiving. Mocking perhaps. Maybe blaspheming. Perhaps even criminal behavior. And all is forgiven. And you are justified and accepted as righteous in his sight. That's a wonderful thing. But God's love goes beyond that. Not only does he justify us, but he adopts us. 
It's a great thing when, when a person is declared not guilty by a judge. But it's another thing for the judge to adopt the criminal. And this is what God does. God's love adopts us. When we are converted, we repent and we believe and being justified by faith, we are justified, we are, we are reconciled to God, we have peace with God, our sins are forgiven and we have a relationship of peace with him. And that's great. But our salvation goes so much further than that. It takes men and women and it makes them heirs and joint heirs with Christ. It makes us sons and daughters of God. Now, if you were looking for somebody to adopt, I wonder what sort of person would you adopt? Would you adopt badly behaved children? Would you adopt deformed children? Would you adopt children who had hoarded filthy habits, rebellious children? No, you'd look for the very best. And yet, who does God adopt? You and me. Wretched sinners that we are. Filthy sinners. Hell-deserving sinners. The wonder of it, God adopts you and me. God's love for filthy, ugly sinners. And notice, it says here, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Called his sons. And because we are called his sons, we are made partakers of all the rights and all the privileges of the sons of God. We have been saved at great cost. God spare not his own son but delivered him up for us all. God so loved the world that he gave the most precious thing he had for the salvation of men and women. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He saved us at great cost. His son's death, the son of God, became the son of man so that the sons of men might become the sons of God. The wonder of it. How wonderful it is that God sent his son into this world to humble himself and to take our sin upon himself and to suffer as a sacrifice for our sin, as a substitute in our place, so that he could raise you and me from our low, filthy state, so that he could justify us and adopt us and sanctify us and take us to heaven to be with himself. So we're raised up from being Sinners in the gutter to sitting in his throne with him, heirs and joint heirs with Christ. What does it mean to be a son of God? Well, one thing that's involved surely is access to God. I remember once hearing a dramatic illustration of that. It was the time of the American Civil War. And there was a soldier and his father was dying. And at the time, because of the, the war, uh, all leave was stopped. But the soldier was desperate to get home to see his father before he died. So he went to the White House to see Abraham Lincoln. But when he got there, he, told, he was told there's no way in. You can't get to see him. He's not seen anybody just now. And so he started crying and he set off away from the White House. But there was a little boy play, playing outside. And he saw this man, this soldier, crying. He went up and he said, what are you crying for? 
and he told the boy his story. His father was dying. He wanted to see his father, but he couldn't get in to see the president. So the little boy said, you come with me. And he took him, and he took him past all the guards, all the way in to see Abraham Lincoln. Who was the little boy? He was Abraham Lincoln's son. And he took him in to see his father because he was the son. He had access to the father. And you and I are sons and daughters of God. How ready we should be to pray and how willing we should be to pray and how, how we should come into the very presence of God with our prayers because we are his sons. Come with boldness to the throne because it's the throne of our father. Access. And then sonship involves provision. Consider the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap. And yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Will he not feed you, O ye of little faith? Consider the lilies of the field. They don't sow, they don't spin, they and yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Will not your heavenly Father clothe you, the one who clothes the grass which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven? Will he not clothe you? Will he not feed you? You're his sons and his daughters. He cares for you. He cares for all his creatures. He cares for all mankind. But, 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 he specially cares for his children. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Provision. And then there's protection too, isn't there? You look after your children, don't you? You fathers, you would protect your children whatever happened if you possibly could. You would do everything you could for them to protect them. But we have a Father in heaven who's always looking, watching over us, caring for us. The angel of the Lord encamps and round encompasseth all those about that do him fear and them delivereth. Who's the angel of the Lord? The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is the second person of the Trinity. It's God himself. God is a wall of fire around his people and the glory in their midst. A high tower, a rock, a fortress. That's what God is. God protects you because you're his children. Think of your privileges as the sons and daughters of God. Rejoice in them. And then think of the honour that God has put upon you. That he's raised you to this position. Not just an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly kingdom, the eternal kingdom. You're princes and princesses in heaven. Think of the honour God has placed upon you. You who were shameful sinners, raised up by God and glorified by him in this way. And think of those that he has given to you to be your servants. He has given you the angels. What are the angels? Hebrews chapter 1. Ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. You're an heir of salvation as a child of God. And the angels are ministering to you. You don't see them. You're perhaps not terribly aware of them. You're perhaps not even conscious of their ministry or thanking God for them. And yet, how many dangerous situations the angels keep you from. How many situations in which the angels are look after, looking after you, watching over you, providing for you. Ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them that are heirs of salvation. Another privilege that you have as a child of God is chastisement. You maybe don't think of it as a privilege, but God has no spoiled children. He doesn't allow you to destroy yourself. 
whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receiveth. Spare the rod and spoil the child. Well, God never does that. God always chastises, corrects, disciplines his children so that they are well brought up, so that they are fitted for heaven. Be thankful in this privilege that you have God as your father watching over you and not spoiling you. Another privilege that you have is direction. It's great to have a wise father that you can go to for advice, isn't it? And he helps you and he guides you and he advises you. But oh, the best father of all is our heavenly father. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. If you need direction, ask God. I'm sure you can look back in your life and see many times when God has guided you. I've never asked for direction from God, but he has guided me aright. And I've been able to see it even when it's, it's been hard at the time and not pleasant for me to accept. It's been difficult maybe, but it's always good. Ask and he will direct Show me thy ways. Guide me in thy paths. Be a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Direct me, Lord. And our Heavenly Father gives us the advice we need, the direction we need. And of course, the best thing of all is that as children, you're going home. There's a home prepared for you in heaven, a home with your Father, and a home with a family. And it's great to know where we're going. So many people, they live a life without a thought of death. And yet it's appointed to men once to die, and after that the judgment. When they die, they don't know what's going to happen or where they're going. They hope it'll be okay, but if we don't know Jesus Christ as our Savior, it won't be okay when you die like the rich man, you open your eyes in hell. But being a believer, trusting in Jesus, having been adopted, your destination is sure. I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You remember how Paul put it at the end of his life? The time of my departure is at hand. I am now ready to be offered. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day. And not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. Do you love the appearing of Christ? Do you love him and look for him and long for him to come? A home, a home in heaven with your Father. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And we are the sons of God. Loved, blessed, cared for. Praise him and love him in return. Love him who first loved you. But then... Next, we notice the world's blindness. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. The world doesn't know us. The world looks at us and thinks, strange people these, miserable people. What are they doing on Sunday, going to church? What's the point of all that? restricting themselves, missing out on all the joys. They could be going to going to the cinema, watching their Netflix, they could be they could be going to a football match, going doing all sorts of things on the Sabbath and they miss out on these things and there's always these restrictions. They they 
can't go to to these dancers or whatever. They can't indulge in sexual uh, enjoyment and all that sort of thing with all mixed partners or whatever. And there the world thinks you're missing out on drink and drugs and pleasures and all sorts of things. But actually, you're not, are you? You have the joy of the Lord in your heart. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Jesus said, count the cost of becoming a Christian. Yes, we should count the cost. But also, count the cost of not becoming a Christian. That's a high cost indeed. A lost, lost eternity forever. If you don't become a Christian, you'll be miserable forevermore. And even if you lived a hundred years, what's a hundred years in comparison to eternity? A flash, it's gone. And then miserable forever. Who would be unconverted? Who would be a child of the devil? Who would give their heart to Satan? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Blessed is the one that trusts in him. The world doesn't know us. It despises us. It regards us as fools. It hates us. It persecutes us. In some countries, Christians are beaten up for their faith. They're put into prison. Countries like Iran, numbers of Christians, considerable numbers of Christians in prison in Iran. Countries like China, North Korea, and other countries parts of Africa and the Middle East if you are converted and become a Christian you're in danger of being beheaded your head cut off, hacked off by maybe even your own family or relatives the fanaticism of the world and worldly religion that doesn't know you the world looks at you thinks you're a fool thinks that you're on the wrong course. But you're a child of God. You're a blessed person. You're a great person. You've got a great future before you. But the world doesn't know you because it knew him not. Christ came into the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came to his own those who were taught and prepared by the Old Testament prophets and by the teachings of the law. He came to his own and his own received him not, the Jews. How sad. The world didn't know Christ. The Son of God, the creator of the world, came into this world and they took him and they crucified him. Marvel not if the world hate you. Marvel not if you be mistreated by the world and despised by the world. Before it hated you, it hated me, says Christ. The world rejects Christ and rejects the people of God. The world hates the Christian. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. It's great to be amongst the persecuted people. It's a sign of grace. When the world despise you and ridicule you and push you out of their company. When the world treats you with contempt, don't worry. It's not the world that matters. What matters is our relationship to our Father in heaven. The world's blindness. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Next, our great destiny. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. 
and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now already we're God's children. It's not that we'll be God's children when we get to heaven. We're God's children already. Children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? If you have, you're a child of God. Now are we the sons of God already. It's not just something planned, something before us. And how do we know that we're the children of God? Because he hath given us his spirit. Verse 24. Hereby we know that he abideth in us by his spirit which he hath given us. And you think of Romans chapter 8. The spirit of adoption has been given to us. And the spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are the children of God. And the spirit enables us to cry out, Abba, Father. Now are we the sons of God. Already. And we've got the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts. You know, everybody here is a house. And you're either a house for the devil or a house for the Spirit. That's quite a thought, isn't it? How shall, you, how shall a person enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods unless he first bind the strong man? Who's the strong man? That's Satan. Satan takes possession and dwells in the unconverted. And when you're converted, Satan's thrown out and the Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart. A solemn thought, you're either a house for the devil or a house for God. He has put his spirit in us in our hearts, and his spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are the children of God. And he assures us, yes, we can see marks and so on, but we especially need that inner testimony of the Spirit assuring us. That we are God's children. Now will we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. Well, there's a lot about the future that's uncertain. A lot about heaven that we cannot know. We haven't been there, so we're not really in a position to describe it very well. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man. What things God hath prepared for them that love him. But then it adds, but God hath revealed it unto us by his spirit. So yes, we have a revelation. A partial revelation, it's true, in the scriptures. But we're told quite a bit about heaven. But it doth not yet appear what we shall be. There's a lot about it that's mysterious. But one thing we know. But we know that when he shall appear, when Christ shall come again, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Isn't that amazing? That you and I will be like Christ. That you and I will be like the only begotten Son of God. We shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We shall see him face to face. And we shall be transformed into his likeness. What does that mean? In what sense will we be like him? Well, we'll be like him in that we're sinless. We'll be sinless. In this world, sin spoils everything. 
Even our prayer, sin spoils it. Sin comes in so readily, self and pride. I remember reading a story of a, a worthy in the olden days up in, uh, I think it was Rosshire, and um, in the north of Rosshire, and uh, he had quite a struggle with self and with pride, and he said to himself that this day that he would go up a hill and he would spend the day fasting and praying, seeking to get victory over self. And as the day progressed, he felt considerable liberty in prayer, and he was getting on well and enjoying the day and greatly blessed having fellowship with heaven. And then he was coming down the hill and he saw his neighbour working in the field, harvesting. And he thought, well, I think I've spent my day much, much better than he has. And then this thought struck him. Pride. Pride. Self. It's still there. After a day of fasting and praying, it's still there. And that's the way it is with a Christian. All our life, we're battling, fighting against the sin within and the sin around us. But one day, we'll be perfect. And there'll be no pride and no hypocrisy and no false humility and no deceitfulness and no lust and no idols. We'll be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. We shall be like him for we shall see him as he is, sinless. How wonderful that'll be. And then we'll be like him, serving him. His servants shall serve him. Serving God perfectly. We long, don't we, to please God and to do his will and to do it perfectly. But so often what we do in this world is so poor and it's so feeble and it's so spoiled in different ways. But one day his servants shall serve him and his name shall be on their foreheads. The name of God written on our foreheads. Like God. Not reigning over God, but serving God as his dutiful children. We'll be like him too in that we'll be immortal. Death will have no claim upon us. And all that leads to death will have no claim upon us. In this world, and maybe some of you are troubled with arthritis, and they're troubled with uh, aches and pains. You're troubled perhaps with heart problems. You're troubled maybe with cancers. Or you're maybe troubled with... with um, Different problems, different illnesses, weaknesses, frailties. But one day, that'll all be behind. No more pain, no more weakness, no more fatigue and tiredness. But strong and healthy and vibrant, eternally so. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be rid of all our disabilities, all our weaknesses, the lame shall leap us in heart. The tongue of the dumb shall sing. Yes, I remember thinking that when my dad died. He couldn't sing. Sometimes he would try and chant in the, cha in the chair, chanting through the psalms. But then I began to think of him singing in heaven. Singing praises to God with such a tuneful voice. How wonderful. No more limitations, no more weaknesses, and happy, happy like God. God is blessed. Sometimes you, you come across people, I remember seeing that in the, the Barnabas magazine recently, how um, Patrick Sugdeo there was arguing that, that God suffers when he sees people suffering. What heresy, what absolute rubbish. God doesn't suffer. God is blessed. God is infinitely blessed. God is happy. Totally happy. 
God's always happy. And when you go to heaven, you'll never be sad again. There'll be no tears, no sorrows, no sadness. No, it's a blessed state. The full enjoying of God to all eternity. All troubles gone forever. And then shall we know even as we are known. There's lots of things and they're mysterious to us just now. You read your Bible, you struggle over passages. What does this mean? How does this apply to me? What's happening here? Maybe you're looking at a book like Ezekiel and you read the first chapter of Ezekiel and it's so complicated, these wheels and visions and so on. And you come to the book of Revelation. There's so much that's difficult. But one day we shall know even as we are known. One day... God will explain it all. And those, those difficult times in life, those crooks in the lot that seem so hard for us to bear, these disappointments, we'll see the reason behind it. Knowing even as we are known and also glorified. We shall be like him and we shall sit with Christ in his throne. Not just citizens of heaven, <coughs> but actually sitting in the throne. We shall judge angels. We shall rule with him. How wonderful. How amazing. Can you imagine God saying to you, Well done, good and faithful servant. I find that hard to think of regarding myself because I know I've not been good and I know I've not been faithful. So how could God possibly say to me honestly and justly, well done, good and faithful servant? And yet he can because in Christ, covered with his righteousness, washed in his blood, I'm a good and faithful servant, glorified with Christ, transformed into his likeness. So we have here then our great destiny. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then finally and briefly, our present duty. What is our duty? Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. We have this wonderful hope of heaven, of being perfect, of being with our Father and our brother and filled with the Holy Spirit without measure. Having this hope in us, having the hope of heaven, purify yourself even as he is pure. Let that hope impact your life. Be different. You're a child of God, destined for glory. Live like a child of God. Don't live like a child of the devil. Don't wallow in sin. Purify yourself even as he is pure. Get rid of your idols. An idol's anything that comes between you and God and distracts you from his service. Get rid of your lusts. Get rid of your hatred and spitefulness and party spirit. Get rid of your covetousness and your greed. Get rid of your deceit and your hypocrisy. Get rid of your worldliness. Set your heart more and more upon heaven. Trample upon your pride. Realize that it's all of grace. No glory to us, all glory to God. Give God his place. Laying aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. 
looking unto Jesus. Lay aside every weight and the sin which doth beset us. Remember what you are, child of God. Remember that you are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. You don't belong here. You're citizens of heaven. Keep on reminding yourself. I don't belong here. I can't settle down too much here. I'm on a journey. I'm a pilgrim traveling to heaven. As strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul be different keep on reminding yourself of your future you're a child of God don't disgrace your father don't disgrace your father let your father be proud of you glorify your father why has he created you to glorify and enjoy him. Set your affections on things that are above. Seek those things that are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God, for your life is hid with Christ in God. Forgetting those things that are behind, stretching forth, pressing on, Toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Are you a child of God or a child of the devil? Be what you are. And if you're a child of the devil tonight, ask the Lord to have mercy upon you and save you and change you into one of his children. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we thank thee for all that thou hast done for us. And who can measure, who can measure the height, the depth, the length, the breadth of the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What wonderful things thou hast done for us. What a great future we have. Lord, help us to live our life in this world as somebody who's on the way to heaven. And grant, Lord, that we would ever remind ourselves who our Father is and where we belong. Forgive us for sin, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Our closing praise is Psalm 84, singing verses 7 to 12. Psalm 84, verses 7 to 12. So they from strength unwearied go, still forward unto strength, until in Sion they appear before the Lord at length. Lord God of hosts, my prayer here. O Jacob's God, give ear. See God our shield. Look on the face of thine anointed dear. Psalm 84, verses 7 to 12. So from Oh, 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 oh,
invitations are as follows. The prayer meeting on Thursday evening at 7.30. The services next week at the usual times, 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. The Inverness Presbytery will meet tomorrow, God willing, by Zoom, in order to deal with the presentation of a call by this congregation to the Reverend Raymond Kemp. And there's a meeting tomorrow night in Inches Church of Scotland, 7.30 to 9, uh, of the Christian Institute, dealing with uh, matters, um, moral matters, matters of concern for us and our churches, the Christian Institute do a wonderful work. And then also tonight there's a fellowship in the manse, so all of you who can come are warmly invited to come through to the manse. You can just go through, uh, straight through from the church here into the manse and we'll have a time of fellowship and a couple of folk from the congregation are, have agreed to give their testimony to us. So It'll be a time of fellowship and you're warmly invent, invited to come. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit rest upon and abide with you all now and forevermore.